Are you the one that your friends turn to to explain net neutrality? Is your dad Robocop? Because your arms are guns. Robocop didn't have guns for arms. Oh my god, that's still not the point, you nerd. Have you ever wished that you could go to a tavern right out of a D&D campaign? Welcome back! Pull up a chair by the heart. If you're building a TARDIS, does it really matter if you fall a little behind schedule? No! If you can answer any of those questions, then this is the show for you. This is Northwest Nerd, voted Seattle's best local podcast. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am Dyer Oxley, leaping from life to life, putting right what once went wrong. This is episode nine of season two. As always, we're here to cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. Coming up this episode, we'll tackle some nerdy headlines as usual including the FCC's moves to roll back net neutrality. Well, I think the basic framing of this issue is wrong. The essential question is, how do you want the internet to be governed? Plus, we'll tell you how you can find out if you're worthy to pick up Thor's hammer. Excited for that one. After the news section, Dyer will transport us to the nerdiest place in Vancouver, BC. So we're trying a Romulan ale. It's bright blue, bubbling, and white smoke is pouring out of the glass. Also, you get a lemon, which I like. Then, we'll pay off our quiz wager from a couple episodes ago. Dyer had to go watch a piece of nerddom of my choosing, so we'll get his thoughts on his first exposure to Attack on Titan. Finally, Seattle's Doctor Who convention is expanding this year, so we'll check in on the special projects over at Anglicon with Abby Ekenezer. They've been working really hard and crushed their Kickstarter goals for it, so very excited to have her on the show to talk about that. It's going to be something that people can actually push the buttons. We're not trying to be selfish. We want other people to to say, hey, we know you guys built this stuff. Is there any way that we can use it? Don't forget to go like our social media pages. Just search for NWNerd, two words, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find links to all of those on our website, nw-nerd.com, along with all of our past episodes, so you never miss a minute. Also, in case you missed it, last episode was a roundtable reviewing the Justice League movie. I was surprisingly charmed by it, despite its flaws, so it was a rare role reversal of me being easier on a movie than Dyer usually is. So go check it out if you've seen the movie, or if you don't care about spoilers, because we spoil quite a bit of it. All right. Let's start where we always do with the news. If you're like me, then you need the internet to do one, if not all of your jobs. Everything. To do everything. And when the way the internet works is threatened... People's livelihoods are threatened. People's lifestyles are threatened. That is what is at stake here when we talk about net neutrality and what the FCC is pushing towards with their new uh, head, Ajit Pai, who, man, do not like that guy. Verizon's golden boy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's basically a Verizon lawyer who has been handpicked to lead the FCC into a rollback of the net neutrality protections that the Obama era, uh, that the Obama administration put into place uh, back in 2015? 2015, but it had been in the works for a while because the debate over what we now call net neutrality has kind of been in the works for probably over a decade. People were debating how should we manage this, this newfangled internet thing, which at that point was only like, a generation old. Right? Yeah. There was 
there were people that had uh, been born within the time the internet had been invented by that time, but we still were kind of wondering, how is business and the government going to interact with this thing? And it gets really kind of confusing and complicated. So net neutrality as in its ideal form, in its platonic form, is the idea that everything on the internet uh, you can access neutrally. Everything, um, anything from uh, your grandma's blog about yeah. rutabagas to uh, Xfinity.com or whatever their website yeah. is, all should operate at the same speed. That's the idea of net neutrality. So yeah. we have a modified version of that. We don't have the ideal version anymore because it is legal to give certain preferential treatment to to different services and websites. Uh, say, for example, when you sign up for T-Mobile right now, you can stream as much Netflix as you want without it going against your data plan. That's a way of having net neutrality, but kind of not at the same time because you're giving some preferential treatment to a particular service on the internet. If you pay for it, essentially, right? Well, that's the thing. That's just thrown in with T-Mobile in general. Yeah. But that's also, okay, so T-Mobile is also a little bit different of a service than we would say like Comcast, right? Yes. Because Comcast isn't giving you a cell phone, but it's piping it in through a cable line, whereas T-Mobile is still using the internet system, but is primarily using cell towers. So, I mean, now we're getting into kind of like nitpicky details. Of, yeah, now we're getting yeah. into like the physicality of the internet. and But in the end, net neutrality should operate on kind of like on an equal playing field for everybody in in in. in kind of like the ideal world here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the the doomsday fear being that eventually internet service providers or ISPs, as you will see them abbreviated towards uh, in very many places, Twitter especially, the fear being that they could eventually throttle any type of competitor to a service that is preferential or shoot, all kinds of stuff like that. Or like, if you have a website, could... if you're a small business mm-hmm. and you want to start a small business website, now, company X, the internet provider, can say, well, you're going to have to pay us money to actually give you speeds and give people more access to you, which is just going to give you an unequal playing field to the next business over. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, that's the other side of this. And another thing that people, and just to kind of slide this in here, this isn't necessarily a net neutrality thing, but came along with the same package, right? Uh, before uh, 2015, there was a regulation in there essentially said that these companies, these third-party companies, could not necessarily look and keep a log of what you're doing online. They couldn't necessarily track you and monitor you, which websites you were going to, how long you were staying there, all this data about your privacy online. They put a wall up against that. And that's another thing that's kind of getting snuck into through the door with this thing is taking that away. So now companies can look at, well, this customer likes to spend a lot of time on mylittlepony.com. I don't know if that's actually a place. I'm sure it is. But let's say this uh, one stays uh, Equestria there. Daily. Equestria Daily. This one's going to a porn site all the time. This one's never stops on Amazon. They'll know all of this mm-hmm. about you. Or and right now there's a wall there. In they a very don't. businessy way, they will know which uh, streaming services their users already use. Yeah. And they can then go market to that company, say, hey, we should enter into some sort of agreement to give people who uh, choose us as their internet service provider to get even better speeds for uh, your your streaming service. Let's get our users 4K uh, streaming on your service so that we will reinforce that habit and have them stick around. Finagle it to earn a buck some other way. I mean, yeah. yeah. Essentially, right now, what we have... um, 
I'm just going to back up. I really sometimes don't like hearing myself talk about this subject because I, when I hear myself back, I sound like a gun nut talking <laughs> about like the Second Amendment. Yeah. Like they're coming for our rights, right? Well, that's what this, I mean, this is an actual, like this is a reality. Like this actually is them coming for your freedom and your rights. Yeah. Like this is somebody coming in for your privacy, for your rights to be in an individual. Like when the Constitution was written, the way we operated in public was nowhere near the way we operate now. We have this new internet and electronic existence. This is actually the government coming for you as an individual because now we exist online as well. So I'm sorry to sound like a little bit of a prepper and a gun nut, but this this is it. Like, um, I'm sorry to get a little bit political, but like conservatives should probably be the most paranoid and perturbed about this because this is like this is their bread and butter that they preach about all the time. This is anti-free market of the internet. This is anti-privacy individual rights, the rights of the individual, the the uh, you know against the collective. I mean, this is. This is all that going against the grain for, for them. So it seems like it's kind of dueling ideologies, though, because it's also it's, deregulation, which a lot of Republicans are for pretty much right. no matter what the uh, industry that, they're, that well, they're deregulating. And then it's also um, very weighted towards individual responsibility and consumer choice. Right. Which is another free market ideology that may or may not actually apply in this case, which is why I think it's another dueling ideology here, because part of what the FCC wants to do is make it such that internet service providers can change how they weight who gets uh, a certain amount of bandwidth and which websites and services come through at 100% and which ones come through at less, which ones you get to use infinitely uh, with unlimited amounts of data for the month that you're paying for and which ones you can hit a limit for and then they start throttling that service. They want to be able to change that. But what the FCC is saying and the uh, FCC chairman Ajit Pai in in particular, what, uh, what Pai wants to do is make it such that internet service providers can do all of that shady stuff, but they have to be transparent about doing it. So they'll have to post like, these are the different services that we will make sure you get crystal clear and they may or may not have to post which ones that they're then throttling because they can single out the ones that they're fast laning or offering to you in unlimited uh, unlimited data and the uh, the implication of that would be that they're throttling everything else after you hit your data limit or whatever. Now, the problem with that, other than the fundamental unfairness of that and how it stifles innovation... Um, which we can get back to in a second. Yeah. The um, the problem with that is that consumers don't have the choice between quality internet service providers. Um, they don't have a choice. I would argue they don't have a choice most of the time anyway between yeah. internet providers. I was providers. looking up uh, some numbers from a 2015 study that the FCC put out. 48% of uh, census blocks in America, which is just the way that the census breaks us up geographically so that yeah. we're easier to census, basically. 48% of them only have access to one broadband internet right. service provider, which would be basically like 4G on your phone, yeah. levels of of internet speed. And 30% of people don't have access to that at all. They can only get slower speeds or only through a mobile device. So we're talking about around 70% of Americans who are not going to have a choice of saying, oh, well, 
my cable provider is doing this and this with my services. I don't like that. I'll take my business elsewhere. There's really nowhere to turn. There's no competition here. Which goes back to that whole anti, you know, if you're really pro-free market, then this should really piss you off because this is really anti-free market. It should piss off everyone. Before the show, you were like, this is a great debate topic. Maybe we can find people on both sides. I was like, there is no other side. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. It would be a great roundtable. Let's find some people to actually... Yeah, the like only people this. who are but, for rolling back net neutrality protections are these corporations yeah. and the people who get paid by them. The internet has become as much of an essential, uh, an essential right, an essential infrastructure as a highway, as a train line, as a phone line. That's the way we need to treat this now. And this is why. Which is how they are currently classified as common carrier under Title II. But they want to take that, that yeah, with classification away. That specifically away. is what they're trying to change. Yeah, they want to treat this essentially. I'm going to, I'm not sure if it characterize this, but they're going to essentially try to tell you that the broadband actually works as a data storage device. Data storage slash information delivery, which is, I saw, I think I was reading like saying the, the highway is for storing cargo. Yeah, we have had about a year ever since the new administration came in and replaced a bunch of people at the FCC. They are now looking at the regulations. They've already torn down a few things that now give uh, your internet service provider the right to look at everything you do online. They did that because no one was standing in their way. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in private browsing mode. Second thing that they're doing is coming up for a vote this December, not even a vote, essentially a decision at the FCC mm-hmm. Uh, by Mr. Pye, who we've talked about, before everybody goes on break for the holidays in December, this decision is most likely going to be made. And when we head into 2018, you can expect maybe things getting a whole lot pricier or maybe prices getting a whole lot unfair. Or if you like I said, if you're that small business and you need to compete online, things are about to get a lot harder for you to actually compete yeah. with somebody online. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, Joe Schmo widget maker and your widget's the most unique widget out there, you have to compete against Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that that battle's going to get a lot more difficult for you. I've been targeted on Twitter with an ad by Comcast okay. that they've been, uh, that's been popping up in my feed regularly for the past couple of weeks now. Now, have you Googled so it's a promoted, Comcast recently It's or a promoted tweet. Well, I do. I've been looking at a lot of net neutrality articles anyway. And because I am a web developer when I'm not here on this podcast, um, I, I Google a bunch of coding stuff and, uh, and, and accessibility type stuff because I want to build websites that are usable by people um, with any type of ability, for example. Um, but uh, this promoted Comcast tweet that has been dogging me, uh, I'll, I'll just read it. Quote, We do not and will not block, throttle, or discriminate against lawful content. We will continue to make sure that our policies are clear and transparent for consumers, and we will not change our commitment to these principles. Now, after that, in the comments underneath, uh, quite a few people are asking Comcast, hey, why do you even have to post this if that's the case? This should be the norm. Why are you supporting what the FCC is trying to do? And... That's like your neighbor coming knocking on your door, you know, like, you know. Uh, hey, 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 Nick, I'm, I'm your neighbor. I just want to let you know, I'm not going to punch you in the face and <laughs> rob and just take your TV. You know, when you're when you're not here, your stereo's safe. Just I would to let never you know. do that. And, and no cameras in your house. I don't have any like little cameras in your bathroom set up. Just want to let you know, not not going to come from me. Yeah. Just don't, don't, that out don't even worry about it. 
Yeah, don't even worry. I'm not even sure why I'm mentioning it. Exactly. Just, That's exactly what it's like. It's exactly it's what it's like. It's so shady. I think it speaks volumes that they feel that they even need to say this in the first place. And if you care at all about net neutrality, go out and research it a little bit more. There's also some protests that are planned. There's some coming up on December 7th. Uh, we'll tweet out a link to yeah, um, where you can find yeah. out more about that. And there's even a uh, an op-ed by one of the FCC commissioners who is not in favor of this. Yeah, uh, She wrote an op-ed for the LA Times basically begging people to go out and protest this and write the FCC and write your Congress people and make your voice heard that these regulations are important to you because it keeps the internet free and open in the way that it is right now. And I know so many people whose jobs would be affected. Yeah. It's going to stifle innovation because this attacks the idea that you can create something on the internet and it be discovered and then just blow up. Like yeah. there are already limits to that in in terms of uh, you having to buy more server space wherever you're being hosted or um, paying to get better search engine optimization and that kind of stuff. But those are known qualities at the very least and everyone has to play by those rules. Making things tougher just because people can't reach agreements with corporations that will uh, that will have the ability to throttle your content is fundamentally weighted towards big money companies that can do that kind of thing. All right. Well, moving on to uh, you want to move on to happier things. things. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I I sincerely apologize to the listeners for us starting on like a negative note for the past but it's all uphill from episodes it's all uphill from yeah we have so much fun afterwards right like we are gonna work our emotional glutes your broccoli first and then you move on exactly two very different metaphors (laughs) they really were but they're really but but they're they're really great broccoli you went with glutes i went well because it's uphill you know just we got to squeeze in this conversation and work the glutes. Wait, it's not. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Because it's all downhill afterwards. It's well, we already went downhill, which worked our thighs, and now we're doing the the glutes. I went to public school. I, I didn't. Wait, really no, you're this. getting you're getting that saying wrong. It, downhill is the easy part. It's all downhill yes. from here because you can use gravity to help you. Yeah, but then your butt looks like crap. <laughs> That's not what the saying's about, though. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, let's move on to Chadwick Boseman. He's an actor. Yes. <laughs> he, he plays uh, T'Challa, a.k.a. Black Panther, in the upcoming uh, Black Panther movie coming out in February. And you may have actually recognized him from, uh, he's, like, I looked up his movies before, and let me know if you notice a theme here. Jackie Robinson in 42. I do know the theme. James Brown in Get On Up. Thurgood Marshall in Marshall. So I mean, he's kind of had a. Uh, he's the go-to black actor for playing famous or important black men. Yeah, I'm happy to see him doing not, something not that. Honestly, like I'm psyched for him. But to this get will to play, play in. This will black play. Panther. This will play in later, um, and, and I'll tell you why. But why those roles I think are pretty significant. Bozeman was recently interviewed because Black Panther is getting some press. They're actually promoting it out there, um, and there was a question, and I'm not actually sure where this question came from. But for some reason, someone was expecting an English accent for what for the uh, for T'Challa for T'Challa, and um, yeah, I'm not exactly. So they're asking him why you know he was educated in England, his character. So therefore, why wouldn't he have an English accent? Which is essentially the theory that if you send Madonna to London, then she will come back with an English accent. Well, she did though. 
Yeah, I know, but that that's the theory. But how how, how much how many of us actually but bought that? But her accent's that? gone now. Exactly. Yeah. How much of it actually bought that? It was an affectation. Um, but he had an interesting um had an interesting response to that, which essentially had to do with the history of Africa and quite a little bit more depth of thought than I would have expected somebody to put into a fictional African country and the leader of that country. So he was talking to CNET, actually, and uh, I'll, I'll read a little bit of the quote that he gave in response to them asking about the accent that he does in the movie, which he thinks of as a Wakandan accent, which, again, made-up country, so they don't <laughs> necessarily have an accent. So here's his, uh, his response. Quote, people think about how race has affected the world. It's not just in the States. Colonialism is the cousin of slavery. Colonialism in Africa would have it that in order to be a ruler, his education comes from Europe. I wanted to be completely sure that we didn't convey that idea because that would be counter to everything that Wakanda is about. It's supposed to be the most technologically advanced nation on the planet. If it's supposed to not have been conquered which means that advancement happened without colonialism tainting it, poisoning the well of it, without stopping it or disrupting it, then there's no way he would speak with a European accent. If I did that, I would be conveying a white supremacist idea of what being educated is and what being royal or presidential is. Because it's not just about him running around fighting. He's the ruler of a nation. And if he's the ruler of a nation, he has to speak to his people. He has to galvanize his people. And there's no way I could speak to my people who have never been conquered by Europeans with a European accent. Dang. Which, Unquote right there, by the way. Which actually, when so if you think about it, that makes 100% sense. Yes! Two, I'm... Another, just another score for Marvel for taking yeah. the story and the character seriously, which I, I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to dig on DC, but that level of thought into an actual character is something that I don't think a lot of people would expect, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to try to call out names for other characters. I don't think a lot of people have taken characters from Marvel and actually gone that deep, mm-hmm. you know, but somebody to actually go into and say, okay, this is a fictional country, but this is the way the country is. It's it's the most technologically advanced country on the planet. It's been isolated this whole time. Um, yeah, this is how it would evolve. Yeah, for the non-comic book readers out there, do you just want to describe Wakanda you, a little bit? We got a little bit of it in that quote. Wakanda, but. and this actually, this is my one gripe with, with, uh, with this at least article, or I don't know if it's in the quote and they cut it off, but um, Wakanda is a fictional nation that is in Northeast Africa that has been isolated and cut off uh, intentionally from the rest of the world. And as such, uh, they have this uh, very important mineral there called vibranium that is very, very valuable. They can sell when they need to because like one gram is worth a million dollars or something like that. And it's everything. The Black Panther suit is made from this stuff. It's very, very tough. Captain America's shield is made of it. Captain America's shield, exactly. And a lot of their technology and their aerospace industry is based on this mineral and this technology, which has advanced them beyond a lot of other people. So, like, where did S.H.I.E.L.D. get all these really cool little flying toys and stuff? Most likely it's from technology from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how Marvel... Either bought or stolen. Yeah, well, that's how Marvel has explained how, even though this is a real New York, we have really cool flying aircraft carriers and things like that, I yeah. mean, things that we don't actually have. So this one country uh, has a leader named T'Challa, and he is uh, the Black Panther. The leader of this country is always the Black Panther, which also gets to be a superhero. Um, and 
yeah, I guess that brings us up to date at that point. Yeah. Here's my the, one. Here's the, my the key. The key, I think, uh, concept being that they've never been conquered. Yeah. Because they're so exceptional. Yeah. Like they've always been able to defend themselves against every single wave of conquest. And in Northeast Africa, that is not easy to do because they've seen millennia of armies coming through there. Well, that's what left me with the. Here's my one thing that left me because I felt like I got teased a little bit because now I'm wondering. How, as an actor, do you think that he formed an accent? And I'm mainly asking that because I'm not an actor. I yeah. don't know. I'm I looking, wish I'm, that I had done, uh, <laughs> I wish that I had been a responsible podcast host and done more specific research you can for cut this. this out. <laughs> but when, when they did Captain America Civil War, which is where we're first introduced right. to Chadwick Boseman's yep. version of Black Panther, um, this is from an io9 piece back in 2016 when Captain America Civil War came out. They report that uh, Captain America Civil War actually used a real South African language as a stand-in for what Wakandan would be. So the actor South who, African, yeah, South okay. African. It's one of their official languages, actually. It's uh, Zosha. That may or may not be how you pronounce it, but that's kind of what it looks like. X H O S A. So the actor who played T'Chaka, uh, T'Challa's father, John Connie, is the actor's name taught that language to Chadwick Boseman, or at least taught him enough so that they could do the scenes together. And that's what they ended up using. Um, so says also uh, director Joe Russo to Entertainment Weekly. That's the language that they ended up using as Wakandan. Um, some 7 million people speak the language throughout the world. And uh, that's what they ended up using for that. So they didn't have to invent a language. So I imagine part of what Chadwick Boseman is doing here. Um, is using some type of African accent, not necessarily inventing one. Uh-huh. But my worry is that while I praise him for putting so much thought into this, and I think that he's spot on correct on yeah. the reasons why he's doing this, I worry about the other actors not necessarily being on the same page and him just like walking in with this yeah. <laughs> accent that not Show necessarily off. everyone was doing. Like, is Forrest Whitaker going to be doing that one? <laughs> is Angela Bassett going to be doing that one? You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. He he runs the risk of making everybody else look kind of dumb no, well, or I mean, weird. And even Michael B. Jordan has an American accent, yeah. which I think Killmonger is also supposed to be from Africa, isn't oh, he? Really? But maybe it's different in the movie. Well, it could, yeah, they could be. I actually, when I wrote down my notes, um, I was looking at all the other kind of Northeast African countries. Um, so you have like Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia. And so where I where I have theoretically placed Wakanda... Is somewhere between Eritrea and Djibouti. And so somewhere in there mm-hmm. is where I claim, in my theory, that's that somewhere in there is where uh, where uh, Wakanda is. So they have a little bit of access to that little Red Sea area. And and so this is these are the things I think about. So I'm just throwing <laughs> that out. So, I mean, in my mind, I was Geography. trying to look up, like, Somali and Ethiopian accents yeah. and things like that. And then, um, yeah, but anyway... There's really no point to that. That's just where I wanted to throw my theory out there. Does anybody have another theory of where Wakanda is? Um, apparently, they move it around. There, I bet you there's got to be some maps. Some, yeah, I wonder. If we looked for but, it. Yeah. In the same way that uh, Latveria has a yeah. specific location too, but it's like kind of nebulous. It's, it's out there. You can't really place it on a map because then you're like, well, no, that's just Lithuania. You're just talking about Lithuania. Well, speaking of Marvel news, um, there is one thing that I wanted to kind of bring up that is some local Northwest 
uh, information that I think folks will be very, very excited about. Yeah, let's hit the local beat a little bit. Our favorite um, experience, I mean, uh, music, I mean, uh, Mopop. Uh, <laughs> the Museum of Pop Culture, Mopop. Mopop. Here in uh, Seattle. We we already kind of gave them uh, fun for that name change last season, but actually makes a lot of sense. I went mm- back and listened to that recently, too. Oh, really? It's pretty funny. So Mopop, um, Mopop doesn't have more problems. It has more exhibits for you, which is... <laughs> I'm allowed to snicker at that. That's a good transition. <sighs> Marvel Universe of Superheroes. So this is a world premiere exhibit of Marvel. Marvel is uh, essentially going to travel around exhibition of 300 artifacts from its Marvel history. We're talking artwork. We're talking props and costumes. Um, this is going to be the largest Mopop exhi- exhibition ever. Um, Thor's hammer from the film is going to be there. Mjolnir? Mjolnir is going to be there, which I don't know how they did that because obviously it just got destroyed. Yeah, they just. <laughs> oh, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you haven't seen these things I weeks think it's after. in the trailer. I'm not that weird. Exactly. About it. it is in the trailer. The Cloak of Levitation for Doctor Strange uh, is there as well. AKA everyone's favorite character from, from, Doctor from the. Strange. Yes. He's so comical. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing that I'm actually most excited about is. They plan to make a uh, immersive set. So if you've went to, uh, obviously, uh, like I have many times, the Star Trek exhibit that they've had there, uh, you get like you can walk into like the transporter and have some other like immersive sets that mm-hmm. you kind of walk through. In this case, the one thing that they did mention in their press release is Tony Stark's lab. So Ooh. walk into Tony Stark's lab. They're pr- they might have more. They had some like artist drawings of what they're thinking of doing and like having like alleyways that. It looked like they had Spider-Man just kind of like drop down in front of you. I don't know how that's going to yeah. work or not, but definitely Tony Stark's lab, which I'm hoping has some kind of, you know, Iron Man suit thing that you can walk in and out of like the really cool scene in the movie. But um, yeah, Mopop is about uh, to get probably the largest exhibition of Marvel artifacts on the planet landing in Seattle on April 21st, 2018. That's pretty exciting. Can I uh, shoot a theory at you? Shoot a theory at me. All right. I think that this is a uh, a trial balloon for building out a Marvel theme park mm. in the same vein that there's some Marvel stuff now at uh, Disneyland, and I think some of the Six Flags still have rights to some of the Mm-hmm. Things that they've built, like the Incredible Hulk coaster and stuff like that. Um, but I think what this is, is uh, them giving a little trial run to building out experiences specifically focused on their Marvel superheroes. And I think that this is encouraging to me because I would love to eventually take a trip down to Orlando where I can hit up the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and also just pop into uh, Spider-Man's New York. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That sounds great. They had uh, one little artist drawing of it with, essentially, it looks like they're going to make little New York sets, <laughs> essentially, is what it kind of looks like. But also, very theme cool. park to just build a smaller scale version of an actual city. Yeah. Well, then, and, but have one that actually superheroes will, will yeah. come around, and I think that would actually That'd be great. Be cool. I'm excited for this. Have a uh, have a giant attack on New York sin- scenario play out right there in front of you in the Ooh. Avengers. Or something. I don't know. But yeah, That'd no, be great. This is, uh, I am not as excited about it as I am. Uh, as I was for Star Trek, obviously. Yeah, this means Star Trek's going away. Yeah, don't 
bring that up. Um, but it does mean a lot of really cool Marvel merchandise most likely coming to MoFop. Also means really cool opening party with probably some really cool guests. Last time when they had Star oh, Trek, true. I went to see Brent Spiner and. Uh, um, what level of star do you think we get for the opening of the Marvel exhibit? We're probably not getting a Robert Downey Jr. I don't know. They get probably some, they get not some a Scarlett good... Johansson or eh, maybe Chris Evans. I think we end up with someone like Mark Ruffalo. You think we're going Linda Carter? I think like Mark Ruffalo ends okay. up showing up. <laughs> uh, first of all, that's not bad. Kobe Smolders as a uh, that's not bad Maria either. Hill. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> tell me how he met the mother oh. again, but you weren't the mother, but you really should have been the mother. Like. Sorry if that spoiled that. Yeah, whole people show who for know you. who Kobe Smolders is will get that joke. Yeah, how I very, met your mother. Uh, joke. Very specific but anyway, joke. No, I, I bet you they get some nice stars. I have I have seen George Decay there. My money's on Ruffalo. All righty, you want a quarter bet? Yeah, let's do it. I'm oh, not doing you know good what? With bets with you. You're not doing well with bets. But yeah. uh, speaking of bets, you have to pay off your uh, the quiz bet that we had from. A couple episodes ago, the last magazine style episode that we did, and I will pay that off. After a message from a fellow podcast here in Seattle that uh, we actually think quite highly of. Sound effect. Sound effect. uh, And following that, uh, a feature for all of you about the nerdiest spot in all of Vancouver. I loved this feature that Dyer did uh, for this episode. It just drops you right into a place that I really want to go to now. So uh, that's coming up right after a quick word from our friends over at Sound Effect. Sound Effect is a weekly dive into the soul of the Northwest seen through the characters who live here. It's a group of nuns on a Washington beach overtaken by a rogue wave. It's the guy obsessed with getting Billy Idol to play his birthday party. It's the drug-addicted lawyer representing other addicts who paid him in meth. Sure, it's weird, but it's also surprising, funny, moody, and it's new every week on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search KNKX Sound Effect. So just a few months back, my friend Amy and I were walking along the waterfront in Vancouver, BC. Now, I'm not entirely unfamiliar with Vancouver, but considering that I've lived in most other Northwest cities like Portland and Seattle, but never Vancouver, I am a bit of a tourist when I visit there. And Amy is kind of like my local guide. And therefore, I tend to ask a lot of annoying questions like, you know, why can't I buy beer at a grocery store? Why do the traffic lights operate like that? Why won't my Lyft app work? And how do you get your city to be so clean? Anyway, we were walking along the shore on Granville Island about to watch some fireworks. And I get to wondering if you can take me to the nerdiest spot in all of Vancouver, B.C., where would that be? I'd probably have to say the Storm Crow, yeah, because it's like... One of the only permanent nerd spots in Vancouver, and it's pretty cool. You like walk in the front door, and it's basically like you're in like a D and D type tavern where you start your adventure. Plus, there's board games you can play for free, and all of the drinks and the food are nerd themed, so that's awesome. This week's feature is a special travel edition for nerds south of the border, and to get where we're going, we must journey through the perilous I five corridor through Fairhaven and the Bellingham in order to battle wits with border guards at the Peace Arch. If you make it beyond the White Rock and the supernatural happenings around Ladner among the Delta, you will make it to a watering hole that is this week's focus, a little corner of BC that is arguably the nerdiest spot in all of Vancouver, the Storm Crow 
Tavern. Here you walk off commercial, which is which is fine. It's a nice neighborhood, but then it's like suddenly it's like, oh yeah, if I was dressed like an elf right now, I probably wouldn't feel terribly out of place. Not everybody at the Stormcrow Tavern dresses like an elf. Beyond being a board game bar with themed food and drinks offering distractions from the real world, this tavern has a surprising history with connections to distractions on your smartphone. More on that in just a little bit. One thing to understand about the Stormcrow is that there are two locations in Vancouver. There's the Stormcrow Tavern on Commercial Drive and the Stormcrow Ale House over on Broadway. And for this excursion, we visited the Tavern on Commercial, which is the original location. Back to the waterfront where Amy explains the two. It got like super popular. It's like to the point where you couldn't even really get in anymore. So they're like, okay, we're going to open up a second location and that's on Broadway, which is great. The like, it's cool, but it's definitely more like it's a bar. It's a bar with Han Solo, Frozen and Carbonite, but like the atmosphere, one of them is like LARPing and the other one is like, here is a nerd bar. So the other one suffers because it's so popular. But you said the other one's cool, though, right? They're both great. They're both awesome. Yeah. Which makes sense because my posse is on Broadway. <laughs> so that's a Seattle joke. Okay. Yeah, you might not get yeah. here in Canada. I don't get it doesn't that. cross the border. Okay. The Stormcrow Tavern is on this cute little stretch of commercial. There's there's a lot of small cafes and restaurants, a lot of mom and pop shops along the way. There's a nice park across the street. And the tavern is a lot like this surrounding area. It's it's a humble spot, not too big. You walk in and the aesthetic that strikes you is sort of an old European pub. It's a lot of wood beams throughout. And you look around and you will find little references to pop culture here and there. Over on one wall, there hangs a giant sculpture of Cthulhu. Now, when we happened upon it, it was Game of Thrones night. They were playing Game of Thrones on TVs throughout the bar. Uh, today we have Cersei Lannister. Uh, she is hosting. <laughs> and uh, we're doing some contests and giveaways around that as well. Is that Cersei Lannister, air quotes, Cersei Lannister? or is... Quote, Cersei Lannister is here, yeah. <laughs> this is Sidney Gregoire. She's the manager of the Stormcrow Tavern. And yeah, Cersei was on hand to answer any questions posed by the audience. Have you ever been happy? No. I'm a woman in a medieval feudal system fantasy now. Obviously not. Question three. The Stormcrow started out as a bit of a passion project for Jason Kapalka. The first thing to know about Jason, and this seems to be the consensus of everyone at the Stormcrow, is that Jason is awesome. Jason's awesome. He's really cool. Yeah, he's the coolest yeah. boss ever. <laughs> the other thing to know about Jason is that aside from his tavern, you are likely aware of his work. So Jason Kapalka is the uh, je- uh, he's the owner of the bar. He invented games like Bejeweled. Uh, he co-founded PopCap. Uh, games. Uh, he invented Plants vs. Zombies, Zumba, and basically started like online gaming back in the day. He's still developing games like Slay Away Camp and Space Tyrant, but in 2011, Electronic Arts, EA Games, bought PopCap Games, and he found himself with some time on his hands. And uh, he had a little bit of a break, so he decided that he wanted to open a weird nerd bar, and he was expecting to see it fall flat on its face. And it was just a weird investment for him, but it ended up being pretty successful, and we're here five years later, which is good for a restaurant. So, 
Now, when I was there on Game of Thrones night, I thought the place might be packed because, well, there was a TV event. But it turns out this is actually common for the Stormcrow to be packed on any given night. They thought it was a bad idea, but they still went through with it, that it was supposed to be a sports bar for nerds, where we don't play sports on the television, we instead play, like, cult classics. And we had a bunch of board games and everything, so they really expected it to be... I guess like a weird alienated place. But yeah, so he wasn't expecting it to do very well at all. And uh, we were full from the day one up until now. <laughs> yeah, so there's like uh, techniques that we tell people how they can get in, um, how they walk in on a, on a Saturday night. Usually it's an hour to two hour wait. Two hours is kind of common on a Friday, Saturday. And it's the same at the other location, unfortunately, as well. They're much bigger. They're probably twice the size, but it's still a two hour wait on the weekends. Uh, and then people play games, so you know you're usually tables here for an hour to three hours. So we don't get a lot of turnover, but I mean, if you do get in, it's a great time. If your will be strong and your patience is well practiced, you can get into the Stormcrow. And when you do, you'll be greeted with a menu with items like teenage mutant deep fried pickles or Gambit's Kinetic Cajun Tacos. If you can't decide on any of that, there is the Megaforce Multiplatter. And then you get to the drinks. We have a Romulan Ale. We have a Romulan Ale that has dry ice in it, so it's all smoky. Uh, we have Butterbeer, um, which is our top seller. Uh, <laughs> we have a Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. Uh, we have all of the nerdy cocktails. <laughs> there is no way the Trekkie in me was going to let me leave the Stormcrow Tavern without having a Romulan Ale. It's in like a tall sort of like one of those like girly drink glasses that you're going to find a lot of lemons on. It's bright blue, bubbling, and white smoke is pouring out of the glass. Also, you get a lemon, which I like. So we're trying a Romulan ale. Go ahead. It's not what I was expecting. What were you expecting? Not like fruity or sweet or anything. I mean, we're talking about Romulans, right? It's sour, which I would expect from a Romulan, but it doesn't taste as bureaucratic and conniving. It's a little tart. Yeah, it's a little tart, but it's, there's definitely some sugar in here. And Romulans are definitely not sweet. Yeah, that I would agree with. So beyond the menu and the drink specials, there was this other thing that Amy kept telling me about. Okay, so they have like shots there, and, and you roll a 20-sided die. Um, they have a list that sort of like goes along with what you roll. So you roll the dice, if you roll an 8, you get shot number 8. But if you roll a 20, then it's like a critical hit and you get like a specialty glass and a double. And and then if you roll a 1, it's a critical fail. So it's like just like the worst shot you've ever had, but too bad because you signed up and that's what you get. And it's kind of fun if you don't know what you want to drink and you feel like you can tolerate anything, which is good. And whatever you get, you can get a critical miss, which is Tabasco and tequila, or you can roll a uh, a critical hit, which is a you know a natural twenty, um, and that is a little bit like a lemon drop. You get to keep uh, your shot glass, uh, so we have like branded shot glasses that you get with that. But yeah, you can get anything from good, bad, and in between. <laughs> the critical miss is a pretty heavy blow. There's a lot of Tabasco and horseradish in that shot, which did not sound appealing, but we risked it. Snake Plissken for you, and a Matrix for you. Because I rolled a 10, and what did you roll? I rolled an 8. All right. That just tastes like blue. What did yours taste like? Mine tastes like Jameson, so I'm good. And, and that was a Snake Plissken? Snake Plissken, yeah. 
so that makes sense. Now, I didn't actually plan on visiting the Storm Crow when I went up to visit last summer. It was just the spur-of-the-moment visit while I was in Vancouver. And maybe it was the Romulan Ale or the Matrix shot. Maybe it was the Klingon chicken strips of prey. But it leaves an impression. Enough for me, this traveling nerd, to tell all you geeks out there on the road that if you're in the neighborhood, go check out the nerdiest spot in all of Vancouver. Yeah, no, people in Vancouver just kind of took to it because... God, it's like one of the only permanent places to go. It's You can go to like, there are a lot of nerdy things that happen in Vancouver and there are a lot of like comic book stores, but mostly it's like, you know, you get events in Vancouver, but this is a place that's just around all year. So you can go and play board games and they host like nerd trivia nights and all this other stuff. It's pretty great. Wow, thank you to Amy for showing Dyer around the uh, the nerdiest spots in thank you, Vancouver. Amy. And also thank you to the good folks over at the Storm Crow. That place yes. sounds so amazing. Thank you, Sydney. And thank you to the guy that uh, really wanted me to interview him after that. But um, let's just say he had a really good time that night and the interview didn't uh, turn out probably <laughs> as well as one would hope. But very, very nice Did he people have a, there. a very, few very too many of the, uh, the Romulan drinks? He really loves that place. Oh, man. Yeah. That's um, great. With, I can't believe there's two hour waits to get in. I can after going there. Like the original one, you can kind of see like we found I'm so kind jealous. of a humble spot. I didn't go to the uh, to the ale house yet. But um, having said all that, I have a challenge for the listeners out there, mm. especially since we just did this on Van- in Vancouver, BC. So uh, challenge to everybody up in Van City there. Um, did I get the nerdiest spot? in all of Vancouver? Or do you do you have would you like to contest that? Is there a nerdier spot? Um, I would like to hear from you. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Contact us via our website. There's a little contact sheet there. Or, you know, Facebook, we get messages there as well. Not in Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Bellingham, Boise. Like, is there a nerdiest spot in your community? I want to know about it, mainly because I like to do features on this stuff. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll, I'll head out there. Is there some random out in the sticks? Like, oh, wow, that's a, like the nerdiest spot in Skamania. Like let's Skamania. let's let's do that. Like yeah. let me know where it's at. Uh nerdiest and... place in uh Skyway. Yeah, exactly. Or Briar. Gold Bar. Okanagan. Uh Snohomish. Samamish. Skycomish. Orcus Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just just hit us Forks. up with that's actually a bad one there. There's Forks. there's, there's, there's a definitely ton of nerdy, a nerdy stuff there. in yeah, Forks. We've we've actually had people suggesting that we go out and so a couple couple Take things. Take a look at those places. Yeah, a couple already. things I want to clean up there. One, um, they are expanding. So if you don't want to wait, for sounds that, like they should. If you don't want to wait for that two-hour wait, um, over the next year you can go to their new location in Toronto, which is <laughs> going to be a three-story manor, wow. a whole manor that they're going to put basically the Stormcrow into. And you can um, expect, like, the way that Sydney was describing it, they're going to have, like, secret rooms. They're talking about maybe escape rooms. Secret rooms and that, like, you pull a candlestick down and something opens up. Like, I love that. Really, really cool, like, full immersed experience in there. Um, but the other thing that Sydney also, like, threw out there um, that um, is something that they're very proud of, and it just didn't weave into the storyline, um, is that they are a safe space. And that's something that they promote quite often. And Sydney is some. Uh, Sydney said that she has no problem, and in fact is very proud 
and looks forward to kicking people out who do not honor that rule. That's great. That's very uh, that's very Northwest nerd. Very yeah. That is that's actually kind of like the little message of it's it's not about you, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> not not that it's not about that's you. That's not but in just our mission nerd statement. Nerd being <laughs> inclusive. Yeah, exactly. That's all being, yeah, exactly. Everybody gets to be a nerd. Everybody gets to go there and yeah. take part in until um, you're not nice to Game the other nerds. Nice. Until you're not nice to the other nerds. Yeah. You So I have here on my show sheet that you have a surprise for me. No surprise. I need to make good on my uh Attack on Titan review. I watched two episodes as instructed. So I don't know what the surprise is. Should we do the surprise first or should we do Attack on Titan? We should now? do Attack on Titan first. Okay, cool. Yes. I watched Attack on Titan. I watched two episodes of Attack on Titan. I'm still waiting for kind of the story to kick in. A yeah, it's bit. pretty slow at the beginning. It's, I'm assuming I kind of get what's going to happen now. So, so um, set the scene for me because I haven't watched those first two seasons in probably at least a year and a half. So here's the scene: I was at home, no pants, one sock. I meant in the show. Oh, okay. So um, the uh, okay. So I watched the two episodes. Essentially, what they explain is humanity now is hiding inside a series of walls. I think there's three main walls, but they have some like extra stuff out there, mainly because there are these giant creatures that look like humans, but with no um, like uh, baby-making parts. Uh, but they walk around naked, and they essentially are giants that can not crash down these walls unless they're the special Titan giants, which can just crumble those things down at like with no effort practically. But nobody's seen one in 100 years, so everybody's getting really cozy and comfortable with no threats, and then a titan comes and just knocks down a wall, and everybody starts freaking out. So now we have to fight the titans again. Um, why do we not like the titans? Uh, aside from the fact they're you know knocking down walls, they also have an appetite for humans, and so they eat humans. They eat um, a lot of people. They eat a lot of people, um, so people are running away. There's a lot of blood in the show. Yeah, this is not a show for kids. No. This is an anime, but this is a full-on adult show, um, like tearing people in half and eating them and, and all that jazz. So a lot of blood. Um, and then some kids experience this. Uh, they've grown up entirely inside the walls. They get stir-crazy. They get attacked, and they decide to join the military now because they had to flee behind another wall. Now they're going to go fight the Titans because, you know, they killed their moms and their families and ruined their homes. <laughs> So now we're going to go that. You sound really invested in these characters. I'm trying to get past like the nuts and bolts here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My assumption is that we are going into like a um, kind of like uh, uh, Hunger Games mm. type scenario where we train like youth to be like our soldiers of some kind and then, then they go off because now it's going to be like a buddy Scooby gang youth type thing. Is that kind of oh, where wow. we're going oh. with that? You are going to be all really delighted by what's about to happen then okay. because uh, they subvert that quite okay. a bit. There is a core gang of uh, characters who go off to fight the Titans and are generally successful in their efforts, although the Titans pretty much always win <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, and is it wrong that I it's like very, that? on Scooby Gang. No, it's good that you like that because this show was originally pitched to me by my friend Alex. Uh, shout out Alex because this show is amazing. As it'll treat characters the same way as Game of Thrones. They go off to their oh, okay. training because you have you haven't seen the training yet. Apparently, that's past episode two. I can't. I don't I remember saw, it being I, this I'll be slow. Fully, at the I'll be fully honest. I did see uh, half of an episode where they are going through 
like some training. Okay, so they go like off and train, training. and you're introduced to way more uh, young people who yeah. you learn why they joined the military, and you you get really sympathetic towards their causes and why they decided to to join up to these um, uh, the Scout Corps in particular, who are the ones who actually range beyond the wall to go yeah. out and fight Titans out there and uh, get more information about them so that they know better inside the walls how to defend themselves. And you're introduced to all these great characters and mild spoiler, because I'm not going to tell you who this happens to, <laughs> but they start dying and they Good. start dying in brutal, does, like physically brutal and emotionally brutal ways. All I want to know does, I believe the guy's name is Aaron. Yeah. Aaron Yeager. Does he die? I can't tell you that. All right. Fingers crossed. There's some major reveals. Though. I know so, he's the main character. He's the one thing that really kind of ruined it for me. I could not handle any more of that whining. He's and very just, whiny. He is extremely whiny. It like grates <laughs> on my nerves. It's like it's like my little cousin just went to like a Thanksgiving. Had a little cousin. I know they're supposed to be cute, but wouldn't leave me alone. Yeah. Right, listen to headphones. Take out my headphones. I gave this kid a wedgie. Right, like a really bad wedgie would not get away from me. <laughs> Is yeah, that voice actor, I'm, I'm not sure who it is, but he has one speed and it is loud and intense. Aaron yeah. is angry like all the time. So positives, I really like the Titans, actually. Cool. As a character, uh, which you I'm get sure deeper into their lore, too. Like, why are they eating all of these people? Why do they even want to break? Well, I have the walls? a theory. I have a well, I have a, I, Your theory I, may or may not be correct. It may or may not. It could go it's probably right or wrong. Yeah. Well, I have a theory that essentially somehow humans did something in the past that made the Titans be their enemies or something Perhaps. like that you know like something when i don't know so um i do like the uh the titans in that they are the creepiest animated thing i think i've ever seen in my life nice. just that kind of smile and it just it, it, I, it's just weird like it's they're very happy to eat you i don't know what's going on and then it's almost like they're dumb like they're kind of like mindless staring and eating you with a weird grin but that mindlessness is really creepy and off-putting to me. Yeah. So There's some um, zombie-like things going on there. Really like that. Um, so the mystery of why the Titans are like that, which I'm assuming has something to do with what the human beings did. The other thing that is really kind of getting me here is that I'm, and this has really captured my interest, is this somewhere in the past, is this an alternate universe is this the future and somehow like we invented the Titans and we were knocked back like a few hundred years technologically because that's, you know, like the end of the world apocalyptic. Thing. So th this is like Holland in the future or something like that. Maybe. Because there's a lot of windmills. Pretty much everyone has European names too. This yeah, is one of the it few looks like Holland <laughs> when you can definitely tell that the characters are white. Yeah. And you can especially tell, you haven't gotten to this episode yet, but there's an episode about a specifically half Asian character and why people interact with her the way that they do. Well, because also, okay, so like, yeah, we have that, but also it seems like there's some future tech in there, like their little sword and rope things. Like yeah. that's that's not medieval, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, you that's know. part of the mystery. Yeah, all right, so. Also, did you did you get a peek at the basement too? No, I haven't looked at the oh, okay. basement. That's also part of the okay. So, so there's something in there, man. <laughs> I will continue watching it. Cool. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you're interested. I'm glad I, you didn't hate it. Well, now I have mystery that I got to solve, so I'm going to yeah. continue to watch it. Um, I I think that as an anime, aside from the Titans, I kind of lean a little bit more Cowboy Bebop mm. than maybe Attack on Titan. Doesn't mean it's bad, but I'm still into it. Yeah. Um. So after I finish Longmire, 
And after I finish The Punisher, which just came out on <laughs> yeah. Netflix, I'm only 20 minutes in. I will. I will then probably finish up Wings, and then oh my goodness. Uh, the 1990 show starring uh, Tony Shalhoub, um, and then I will get to uh, Attack on Titan. I have uh, made good on my bet, and then the reason that uh, I had to do that is because I lost. Well, I didn't lost. You won a quiz. I designed a quiz. You beat it. Yeah. And therefore, you had to pick. A I piece like of to pop think culture. that I won and you lost, though. I think it's. I think it's. So both. I lost, and I made good. The on quiz it. master was defeated. The quiz. That's like okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, the QM was defeated. So, um, that means. This is a surprise. That's right. Sometimes I, Dyer Oxley, like to quiz my co-host. Nick, I was going to try to think of something snide to call. I'm trying to get in the mentality. Nick the Jarin. I don't know. Something. But, like, think of. I'll I've think never of really, really had rude. any nicknames that stuck. It's really hard to make a really, like, bad, like, nickname for you because you're so handsome. Oh, like, uh, it's, it's not like, that hard. I have a Nick name. Nick that... Handsome Man Jarin. <laughs> I'll take it. Point being, uh, I've designed another quiz. Let's and do it. And it's designed around this week's feature where I went to the uh, Storm Crow Tavern up in Vancouver, BC, and they have all these themed drinks. And we got the Snake Plissken, and I got the Matrix, and they had a bunch of like Star Trek and things like that. So I got to thinking, there's a lot of drinks out there, like the Romulan Ale. It's true. The Romulan Ale is a quote-unquote real drink. It's a drink from Star Trek. Uh, I've heard people make cocktails around it, like in the Storm Crow. I've seen energy drinks called Romulan Ale. Yeah, or Butterbeer, their top seller. Exactly, Butterbeer from Harry Potter. So... Um, I went through, I have a collection of drinks oh, no. on here, okay? Yeah. Some of them are real from pop culture. In some way, they are real. Other ones, I totally made up. <laughs> and they are fake. Now, now uh, lay out for me how I can win this thing. This is how this is going to work. So, I'm just going to read something to you. And you're just going to tell me, real or fake? You get an extra point. If you can tell me where it's from. Okay, and how many points total do I need to win? Okay, so here's the deal. I have 16 here, which is more than I usually give you. Okay. But we're going to go through these pretty quick. But they're quick. all basically true-false, so. It's a true-false, so we're going to go through these pretty quick. All you need to do is get nine correct to pass. That's a D. So over all 50%. Right? Over 50 you essentially got a pass with a D minus. So I just need nine points, so I can do the extra thing to get two points off of the same question? Yeah, so like say you got a couple wrong, but you get a bonus you get bonus one there. You okay. Can, yeah. Cool. So um that said, your first drink, Talsirian whiskey. Talsirian whiskey. Is that a real drink from pop culture? Or is it totally made up? Wow. Uh I'm gonna say made up. I think yep. you just put Tal in front of Syrian. Number two. Wait, and wait, wait. You didn't tell me if I was right or wrong. I'm going to tell you at the end. What? That's what we're going to blow through these. I'm going to tell you at the end. I don't know how to deploy my guesses exactly. then. I need to get a you're, feeling for how you I wrote am these. determined. <laughs> I am determined to make it through. And that's one thing I think that helped you last time is knowing what right away. Here's the thing. I'm a good test taker <laughs> because you have to know how the test maker is thinking. And I'm a good test cheater. So I, I, yeah, exactly. You're going to have to, oh, yeah. This, this one's harder. Hinders. This one's harder. I'm going for Superman music quiz level. All right. I'll, you okay. know what? I, th- I think I'm getting whiny about it now. Let's just go. Ent drought. Ent drought. 
Yes. Uh, I think you mean ent- draft, probably. And I think that's real. That sounds like it's from Lord of the Rings. You think that's a real thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Kerf. 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 Can you use it in a sentence? Can you? Can I ask you how to spell some of these? No. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can ask. I, I didn't consider that. K-Y-R-F. Uh, I'm going to say fake. I think that one's real, actually. Am I allowed to change my answer? No. All right, that's fine. Milk of Irie. Milk of Irie? Milk of Irie. Irie is spelled E-Y-R-E-E. Fake. Saurian brandy. Real. Thorin's healing grog. Thorin? Thorin's healing grog. It's his. It's Thorin's. It's got a apostrophe S on that. Yeah. That sounds like something that might be from, uh, whatchamacallit, Magic the Gathering or Magic something. Magic the Gathering or something. Uh, like I'm going to say real. Mead aged for three cycles in Willow's Wood. And Willow's Wood is capitalized Willow. Real. <laughs> Orion cider. Is it is that also a possessive? Orion's no, it's cider. Just Orion cider, and Orion spelled like the, the constellation. Fake. Mutter- People should uh play play along at home too. Yeah. Mutter's milk. Mutter's mutter's milk. M u d d e r s. Real. Okay. That one sounds familiar. Safod Beeblebrew. Safod Beeblebrew. Safod Beeblebrew. How many words is that? Two. Beeblebrew is one word? Mm-hmm. Real. These all skew like very fantasy, and you're mm-hmm. more of a sci-fi person. So my thought process got, so I, far I is some. that I think the fantasy-sounding ones are probably real. That's where I am right now. Okay. Bloodbrow. <laughs> Bloodbrow. Bloodbrow. Uh real. kind of like the kind of like the uh German brew. Yeah, it's kind of oh, like blood yeah. brew. I think that one's real. Okay. The flaming mo. That's real. I that one's from the Simpsons. Bonus point. Give, yeah, there you go. Thought I would give you one there. Ractagino. Ractagino? Ractagino. I feel like you might be pronouncing this one incorrectly and it might be real. Rectagino? You think I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, but you think it's real? I think so, yeah. A 12-year vilabrow. Vilabrow. Yeah. In this case, it's two different words, vila than brow. That makes sense because those are two different languages. Fake. Hennigans. Hennigans? Apostrophe S. Real. I don't oh. like how much you're smiling over there, by the way. Elsinore beer. Real. Okay. Is that it? Do you want the bonus question? Yes, I always want the bonus question. <laughs> Name where this sci-fi pop culture reference comes from for the banana daiquiri. Oh, what no. is the pop culture, sci-fi pop culture significance of the banana daiquiri? It sounds really familiar. I think it might be from Firefly. No. What's it from? 
So the bonus question before we get into this is actually from Doctor Who. The 10th Doctor claimed that he accidentally invented it. Ah. Nick Jaren, you got 11. Are you serious? Yes. Woo! And six wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, That yeah. includes the, the bonus you got for the Flaming Mo. Dang. I should have been harder on that one. Talsirian whiskey is fake and drought, or and draft, as you would say. Trying to be clever uh, is uh, invigorating drink is invigorating. the invigorating drink of the Ents in the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. Kirf or Kirf is a Star Wars drink. It's a liquor made from the Kirf fruit from the planet Corbin. You thought that was fake? It was real. Milk of Irie, I made that up. Saurian brandy is a drink from Star Trek. Thorin's healing grog, I made that up. Gah. Mead aged for three cycles in Willow's Wood, I made that up. Orion Cider, I made that up too, but you you caught me on that one. Mutter's Milk is from Firefly uh, from the city of Canton on Higgins mm. Moon. It's a high-protein drink with 15% alcohol. <laughs> wow. Zaphod Beeblebrew, you saw right through that. That's actually a take on Zaphod Beeblebrox, uh, who was the president of the universe who invented the pan-galactic gargle blaster. Um <laughs> Blood Brow, I made that up. Thought maybe you thought it'd be like Blood Wine from Star Trek, but you saw through that. Flaming Mo, we already got that one. Now, Rock DeGino, I am saying right. Okay. Because what's that from? It's essentially Klingon coffee. Mm. Rock DeGino, and it's a uh, it's something that uh, a bunch of folks on Deep Space Nine, but I also believe Janeway got quite quite a feeling for it too. Twelve Year Vila. So that's Bro. like their like Frappuccino. What it sounds yeah. like. It sounds like branded it looks, espresso it drink. It looks like a latte, is what it looks like. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Twelve year Vila Brow is fake, and you pulled that on me. Did you? Did you know Hennigan's was real? Or that just sounds or like real. A th- okay. It just. I wanted that one to be real. Well, I mean, it's not real. It's a pop culture reference. Yeah, but, I mean, you know uh, what I mean. So it's the scotch that they drink in Seinfeld, and they feed it. <laughs> they feed it to Kramer, and he gets really that. drunk and tells George he loves him. That's funny. Elsinore beer. Is the beer featured in the 1983 film Strange Brew that was drank by Bob and Doug McKenzie? Dang. So um, I have had this episode down to try to make you watch it for two things in a row, but now I guess you're going to choose. People uh, can't hear this, but I'm pumping my fist in the He is pumping his fist and pointing. Feeling very victorious. All right. I thought for sure I was going to lose today. Did you have. I'm going to be honest. Like, I feel very. Like Anne Hathaway Oscar speechy, I did not rep- prepare anything. Okay, because <laughs> I didn't think I would win. <laughs> um, so th- let me let me uh, brainstorm here real quick. You, do, you don't have to think of it now. We can post it on Facebook or something maybe later on after you say okay. You have to watch this thing. Okay. Yeah, something like that. That you think that will really like tear me in. Well, I'm gonna let you know. Longmire comes first. <laughs> Are there new episodes of Longmire? Yeah, they just came out. Okay. It's like their last season. Then Punisher, then Wings. I'm just saying that because nobody knows who what Wings is. Yeah, you got to pay this off in two weeks, though. I know. I know. It'll happen. Well, I will be uh, basking in the glory of my victory for a while here. I'm so glad we added stakes. It really, it really makes it mean more to me when I win. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying I'm seeing the downsides of this whole. This was uh, a great suggestion from our listeners over the summer. I'm bringing back another the Superman music quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I don't get your musical references, so that's that's always your your trump card that you can play. Okay, all right, music. I mean, no, try me. <laughs> but uh, uh, coming up next. For our Doctor Who fans, which 
Apparently, I'm not enough of a Doctor Who fan because I didn't get that banana daiquiri question right. But if you did, then you'll be very delighted by our next segment here. Dyer got to sit down with Abby Ekenezer. She works with Anglicon, the Doctor Who convention that they have here. In- it's kind of like an all-encompassing UK fandom, but they it's like 95% Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are some Red Dwarf comments to go around so <laughs> they've been uh they've been working really hard to add some more things to their convention and dyer got to uh sit down with her and talk to her about that anglicon is a seattle area british fandom convention with a special emphasis on doctor who it started in 1987 then it went on hiatus in 2006 until it was regenerated three years ago and for this year's convention which is december 8th through 10th at the double tree in SeaTac, fans can meet the fifth doctor Peter Davison, and the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. But one special project for the convention this year involved running a massive Kickstarter campaign and will produce a very unique experience. And to explain this, we talked with Abby Ekenezer with the convention. The premises of the Kickstarter was to try and bring some of these BBC or UK television sets to life. So we first started with the TARDIS console, which is like the Peter Davison middle uh, beginning of his era as the Doctor. So that's fifth Doctor, correct? Yes. And so we have it all in our minds. The console that has, I think, like in the background, there's the circles on the wall and the kind of silver hexagon in the middle with the little crystal-y things going up in the middle. Doctor Who fans are going to be really mad at me right now listening to me describe this. Uh, and it's very similar to the Tom <laughs> Baker one, right? So it is It is somewhat similar to the Tom Baker um, one. Uh, this one that we're doing actually has a, a bit more buttons and toggle switches and random uh, devices on the console itself. And that's good Um, because this is going to be interactive, right? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be something that people can actually push the buttons. The the time rotor, I think, is what you were trying to describe. Uh, Yeah. Um, Is the big big, uh, uh, plastic or glass circular object in the middle of the console that goes up and down. And we're going to make that happen to you. So random curiosity, um, how far in space and time will this console take us once it's finished? <laughs> um, well, I'm hoping that it can take us to the point where the console is finished. No. Um, <laughs> you guys had a set of financial goals through your Kickstarter. Obviously, you blew through one of those goals. Can you kind of take me through that? Because you kept expanding and expanding. Yeah. So um, the TARDIS console was funded. And, it, it, and the crazy thing about it was that uh, I think it was like we had seven days left and the the console finally reached the $5,000 that we were trying to raise. That was the right? first goal, like, $5,000. And so what did you guys expand it to the, the second time? Okay, so our next level was the Master TARDIS. Um, so I found out that there were so many people that were in, because I, I also run Doctor Who Seattle, And so I found out that a lot of people on Doctor Who Seattle or just Doctor Who or just Seattle in general from other conventions were in love with the master. He was such a major character in the classics. You know, like there was always this 
this war between him and all the different doctors. And so we found out that we found a, a copy or a, a replica of the Master TARDIS. We did a stretch goal for the Master TARDIS to have that built so that some of our master cosplayers could come and take photos with that prop that that prop also so i'm really excited because we actually ended up meeting that goal too in three hours there's one thing i do <laughs> want to get you to talk about you did a stretch goal three what was stretch goal three for so um it, it's funny you say that because it's actually my favorite set um so um i grew up watching um number 10 which is uh, an amazing uh, uh british show back in oh i'm gonna say like the early 80s or 90s we found out that we got we were gonna do uh, the set for Ten Downing Street, which is where the prime minister resides. I I was so excited because uh, I don't think anyone here re like knows about Ten Downing, you know. And so you just you see this door. This is a this is a historic door, this amazing uh, door with its brilliant dark lion esque knocker i feel like it's one of the the crowning achievements of the kickstarter and knowing that it was the last but certainly not least and you leave the best for last kind of thing we destroyed that goal in like an hour you did have another goal it didn't get funded but you guys did attempt to build the bunk set from red dwarf the greatest sci-fi show out of britain ever produced aside from maybe Doctor Who. Do you guys think that that might be a future goal for you guys? Could we see maybe a bunk set come down the line? That is 100% possibly going to happen. I, I can't say for sure, but I can say that um, there is a possibility. If we, if we get enough people excited about it and can raise a little bit more of the funding, depending on what we have left over from three three sets right now <laughs> um you could be laying in one of the bunk beds i just want to get into an argument with a toaster that's my main goal <laughs> that's my main goal the funny thing is that i was talking to norman about it and he was like please if you can build it i will give you a nice little uh voiceover of some of a couple of things that holly would say really <laughs> You're talking uh, about Norman Lovett, the I believe first Holly, right, that they had on the show. Yeah, I was really excited about that. And there's there's a possibility of one more set that we were looking at that people are absolutely in love with too. So So after Anglicon's over this year, what happens with these sets? So um we already have a storage unit. Um, you know, ready to put them uh, put them aside, and we're actually making sure that they're buildable, so that they're deconstructible. Also, we want other conventions or even people or commun the community in general to know that we're not trying to be selfish with these sets. Like we want other people to, to say, Hey, we know you guys built this stuff. Is there any way that we can use it or, you know, rent it out or something? Um, because we still want to keep trying to generate some source to help KBTC because KBTC is the only place where I can see most of my English television. KBTC is a public TV station based in Tacoma. And as Abby said, it provides a lot of the region's BBC shows. And the sets will also be used to raise funds for future Anglicons. So if you're interested in helping out or using the set sometime, email guest 
at anglicon.org. And check out Anglicon on December 8th through 10th at the Doubletree in SeaTac. They will have everything from cat cosplay to a brand new art show featuring artists such as Lee Moyer and Rob Carlos. Thanks again to Abby Ekenezer for hopping on the show to talk about Anglicon with Dyer there. Thanks also to uh, Amy for showing Dyer around the nerdy spots in Vancouver and the good people, uh, Sydney and them, over at Stormcrow up there in Vancouver, B.C. And thank you all for listening as well. If you like what you hear, why not help other nerds find our show too? Go give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Help us get the word out. The holidays are coming up, and I hear that experiences are bigger than physical gifts now, so why not give the gift that keeps on giving each Wednesday by sneaking into your loved one's phones and subscribing to the Northwest Nerd Podcast. I'm sure they won't mind you sneaking into their phone. So this concludes episode nine of season two of the Northwest Nerd Podcast. We'll be back next week with another roundtable episode. So we'll see you next week, nerds. Let's talk simultaneously for a second. So I'm going to just say something and you say something at the same I'm gonna time. I'm going to say something at the same we'll time. And we'll see how the mics how treat it. We'll just keep on talking for a little it, bit. You got to give, give me a little bit more. Electrolytes. Give me a little bit more. Electrolytes. You got to talk a little bit. I think it'd be Syphilance. funny to take Syphilance. a picture Syphilance. of us with that green screen tick, 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 and then tacky, just post tacky, that tacky. and ask people to do like a Photoshop thing to Mopop. it. I think that'd be pretty funny. Mopop. <laughs> okay. Mopop. Right. Okay. I think that's good. Marvel. Marvel.